If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15? The Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. Uh, don't have a, a long message. Some of you are like, thank God, I'm starving, ready for lunch. And so Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. I'm going to be reading it from the New Living Translation. You can follow along in whatever translation you have. But as always, uh, we do have it. We will have it up on the screens. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to explore the subject of faith. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Faith is a subject that we hear a lot about. Uh, in fact, I, I have preached many times on this very same subject. It never grows old because faith is the currency of heaven. How many of you know that God responds to faith every single time? Like if you want to see God move, have faith. If you need to have God intervene in a specific situation, ask God to help first and then exercise your faith. Or if you want to be used by God in life or in ministry, grow in your faith. So by exploring faith, I hope that you're going to see some examples in the, in the Bible that will help you not only to understand faith a little bit more, but to live a life of faith in action. The word says that faith without works is what? Dead. And so faith needs to be living and active. And right now, you know what? Before we do anything else, can we just pray? You can stand or stay seated. Either way, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you've already done uh, in our time of worship and in testimony. We pray, God, that you would touch your people as we get into your word this morning. Uh, Lord, I, like I said earlier, uh, nothing happens by accident, and I believe in divine appointments. And so this morning, you have set up appointments with with each of us. You want to speak to us something, a truth, something. And so I pray, God, that our hearts and our minds would be receptive. I pray that we would stay awake. I pray, Lord, that we would stay willing to hear from you. And uh, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would teach us this morning. And so, Lord, just have your way. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated if you're standing. So he was seven years old when he had to work to support his poor family. At the age of nine, we know that his mother died. When he turned 23, he incurred a huge debt due to a failed business. And at the age of 28, after four years of engagement, he asked his girlfriend to marry him, but she said no. Later, he loved another girl, but then she died. At the age of 37, after his third attempt, we know that he was elected to Congress. After two years, he ran for re-election but failed. Adding to his miserable marriage, at age 41, his four-year-old son died. At age 45, he ran for Senate and lost. At age 49, he ran for Senate again and lost again. He went through a period of deep depression, dealing with rejection and criticism and rumors. And at the age of 51, he became the president of the United States. We know that he set thousands of slaves free by passing a law known as the Emancipation Proclamation. He taught the world that slavery is wrong that in, and that every single person should live freely. And when the Civil War failed to stop his efforts to abolish slavery, his enemies assassinated him for his beliefs. Today, we know Abraham Lincoln as one of the greatest leaders in American history and one of the greatest leaders in world history. And yet people remember him today 
as a man who stood firm and against great opposition. And yet his struggles, we know in his struggles, something was formed inside of his life and was developed during that season. What was developed was character. What was developed was perseverance. What was developed was great faith. See, Abraham Lincoln was known to never give up, and we know that his faith was rewarded. And so this morning, I want to ask you many hard questions. Actually, you're like, oh, no. Here we go. I want to ask you some hard questions. Do you or someone you know have a hard time trusting God in the midst of of difficulties? Do you or someone you know have a hard time trusting God when things get hard? Are you disappointed when God seems to be silent or slow in responding to your prayers? Have you ever felt like faith, your faith, is under pressure? And do you sometimes feel like just giving up? I think if most of us were honest this morning, we could all answer yes to all of the above or some of those questions anyways. And this morning in our text, we're going to be looking closely at a person who had a great problem, but she also had a great persevering faith and she trusted in a great person. As a result, we know that she was described by Jesus Christ as a person of great faith. I hope today we, we can learn some lessons from her too. Lessons that will develop inside of us a faith that God favors. Let's go to our text. The Bible says in Matthew 15, 21 through 28, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Check this out, though. Verse 23. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then... His disciples urged him to send her away, to tell her to go away. They said, she's bothering us with all of her begging. And then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the the master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Listen, before we go any further... I want to give you a little bit of background to help you understand the context of of this story. There are three major barriers that this woman had to overcome. The, The fact is, A, she was a woman. See, in this time period, I don't know if you understand, women were considered no more than property, and this woman had a a great barrier by just being female. But not only was she just a woman, she was a Gentile. Salvation had not yet been offered to the Gentiles. That's what Christ meant when he said that he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel in verse 24. But not only was she a Gentile, she was also a Canaanite. The people of Israel did not like the Canaanites. 
The Canaanites were pagans who lived in their promised land before Israel came to live there. And so there you go. There you have it. Three strikes against her. This passage is about the faith of a Canaanite Gentile woman. As a matter of fact, it's about the great faith of a Canaanite Gentile woman. This, listen, this would not be such a big deal if Jesus were, were, went around applying this compliment loosely. But this woman was unique in at least two different ways. She was, she was the only Gentile woman that Jesus healed in Matthew's gospel. And she is the only person Jesus said in Matthew that had great faith. Compare that with the five times that Jesus had to remind his disciples that they had little faith. And you can see how unique this woman was. And for the disciples to hear about this and to witness her great faith in that moment is a powerful learning experience for them and for us. So listen, there are three quick lessons that I want us to learn from this woman this morning about the faith that God favors. And so number one, if you're writing notes, the faith that God favors is a faith that is desperate for God's help. Anybody here this morning ever felt desperate for God's help? Like, like God, if you don't help me, it's going to be bad. Or, or maybe it's already bad. But if you don't help me, that things are going to go from bad to worse. Like, you have to help. God, I need you. Everything and everyone has failed me. I desperately need you. If that's ever been you, you're in good company this morning. Again, in verse 22, a Gentile Canaanite woman came to Jesus pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. There's so much that we can say to this. I don't know about you. Listen, I have three boys. Uh, they are young men now, but if anything happened to them, if anything happened to one of your children, I'm, so, I'm sure that you would be touched in your heart and that you would want to do something for them and, and that you would not want any evil or wrong to befall your kids. And, and so in those moments, you're just like, God help. God help. And that was this woman. See, desperation here leads to strong faith. And yet the story doesn't begin with us knowing about her great faith. It begins by knowing about her desperation where great faith often begins. The Canaanite woman who, whose name we never hear has a daughter who she describes as been cruelly possessed by a demon. That means she is not in control of her faculties. That means there's bad stuff happening to her. We don't know exactly what that meant, but it easily could have meant that she was afflicted uh, with violent, insane behavior like the, like the man who lived among the tombs in Matthew chapter 8. Or that she had terrible seizures like the boy who, who would actually throw himself into the fire in Matthew 17. This was the behavior of demon-possessed people. We don't know what the daughter's behavior was. We just know that he was, he, she was severely, severely possessed. Her depression, her desperation, 
led to hope. Not, not hope in folk cures and remedies that she had probably tried before. Not hope in the, in the best medical advice of the day. Not hope in any of the things that this world could offer. It led her to a hope in the God of Israel. Hope in the Messiah. Hope in Jesus who is God's chosen one. And this hope led to a faith without shame. Many times we can be afraid to let our faith be known. Sometimes we just don't want to stand out. Sometimes we, we just want to be polite and not talk religion. Sometimes we, we just don't want that added scrutiny uh, that comes when people realize that we love and follow Jesus Christ. But this woman, she was different. Anybody know somebody who's different? And that can be good or bad, so be careful where you go with that. But we know people who are different. This woman was different. She lived out her faith in, in a way that, that, that came from, from having nothing left to lose. A desperate faith. She approached this band of disciples and their leader, Jesus Christ, boldly. In fact, she screamed out from a distance, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. I think of some of my family gatherings when I was younger and I was little. My family would embarrass me a lot. And a lot of times they would come and, you know, Puerto Ricans, they are loud. And I would be like, please, please don't, don't, don't get so loud. Don't, you know, it's one thing, it's it just, you know, so I know, I know what, what the disciples may have been thinking in that moment. She screamed from a distance. She didn't just shout. She screamed. She had, she had a desperate faith that Jesus was the only one, say only. Jesus was the only one who could make a difference in her situation. She didn't care what anybody thought. She didn't care what the, that the disciples didn't approve. She didn't care even as a woman approaching men who were absolute strangers that she would stand out like a sore thumb. She didn't care about the things that often make us ashamed. She had a faith like no other, a desperate faith, desperate mom faith, a faith without shame. This should make us think about our faith. Does your faith this morning come out of desperation? Does, it rise, does, a, does your faith rise out of a confidence that Jesus is the only one who can bring meaning to your life, the only one who can bring true spiritual and emotional healing to your situation, the only one whom our lives are worth living for? Or is it a faith that's casual, we do it because it's, it's, it's expected. The Canaanite woman's faith was, was without shame because she knew that Jesus was her only hope. She didn't care what others thought, like I said. She didn't care what others expected. See, she didn't have a plan B. Some of us, that's all we have is plan B's, plans A's, plans B's. And, and uh, uh, really, Jesus doesn't come into the equation until we've tried everything else. Why do we do that so foolishly? Are we ashamed? Are we so weak of faith? Some of us that have plan B's, it's like it's, 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 it's a handicap. You have to trust God. 
One author said, faith is not merely holding on to God. It is God holding on to you. He will not let you go. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. In your situation, whatever you're going through, others have let you go. Others have turned their back on you. Others have hurt you. He will not let you go. But Pastor Freddie, how can I trust that? How can I know? See, find, God finds great pleasure when your faith persists in, in spite of pressure. And so faith that God favors is desperate and not, not ashamed or afraid to be desperate. Number two, the faith that God favors is a, a faith that is determined to get God's response. Determined, say determined. In other words, will you keep asking? Will you keep seeking? Will you keep knocking that kind of faith? Or will you quit at the first sign of resistance? I mean, are you determined to stay the course in faith, believing God because he's a promise keeper? Or are you going to start thinking that God is going to fail you because so-and-so failed you? Or they let you down? Or they turned their back on you? So God must be the same. It's a lie from the pit. God is not the same. God is not like the average, common, everyday person. God is supernatural. God is love. God is consistent. God is unconditional in all his ways. A faith that God favors is a faith determined to get God's response Let's go to verse 23 again. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Listen, I need to be honest with you this morning. When I read that for the first time, it was a lot of years ago. I was like, what is up with God? What is up? Why would Jesus do that? Her daughter is possessed. She needs his help. What do you mean he gave her no reply? Then his disciples urged him to send her away, tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all of this begging. And then Jesus said to the woman, to make matters worse, in my, in my first reading of this, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again. Say again. Some of you need that again. Some of you have quit. Some of you are thinking about quitting. And in the midst of your faith, in the midst of your trial, God is waiting to see if you'll have that again moment, if you'll press on, if you'll persevere, if it doesn't matter what life is throwing at you. It's getting harder, but you need your again moment. She cried out, but initially Jesus didn't say a word. Complete silence. She went to him and made her plea, and he answered not a word. Some of the greatest lessons of faith are learned when God appears to be silent and when we are absolutely desperate. I know as a guy, I'm sitting here saying this, but I know that for us many times we hear desperate and we hear weak. We hear desperation and we hear, no, we can't let anybody know how desperate our situation is. We can't let anybody know that we need from someone or, or that, that we need help in a situation. But when God sees desperate, he sees an, an, a willingness and availability for his power to come in on the situation and turn things around if there's a heart of faith. 
It's a God that says, God, you can make a way. Over and over, the woman cried out to Jesus for mercy. He did not answer her at first. Not even a word, not even a word of acknowledgement was uttered. Not even a, not now, I'll talk to you later. I hear you, but, but let me think about it. Nothing, nothing but divine silence met her pleas and her cries. Have you ever been there? All of us want to be listened to when we speak. Nothing can spark anger in us quicker than feeling snubbed by a relative or a friend when we're talking. Even if someone doesn't disagree with what we say, we at least want to be acknowledged. Like, say something. Answer me. Yet here was a lady that felt in the depths of her own soul the desperation of her daughter's demon possession, and in her crying out to Jesus, she only found silence. Why was Jesus so silent to her, please? I can't be the only one that asked that question. If you look closely, I believe that his silence actually tested her faith. It, it did not conquer it. She pleaded on still, and the Lord responded the way that he did to her, not to destroy her faith, but to develop it. He had a purpose in his silence, and the effect was to develop, strengthen, and manifest her faith. His silence was not without purpose, and certainly it was, was not without the, a lack of concern for the woman's need. And so she was not discouraged to the point of giving up by our Lord's seeming denial. She waited and held on, believing and trusting. Some of you, you're, you're in that season, and, and, and if you were honest this morning, you say, I've been praying about something, and it feels like God is on vacation. <laughs> and Pastor Freddie, in fact, you know what? I'm going to be real with you this morning. I prayed, and it got worse. I prayed, and it got worse, and it's like, God, what are you doing to me? Can't you hear my cry? At this point, the disciples, like many of us, got a little uncomfortable, right? They began to shuffle in their, their little feet, and, and finally they, they snuck up on Jesus, and Jesus, maybe you should just like do something or, or heal her daughter a little bit, and, and maybe she'll leave us alone. You know, it's actually embarrassing for us to see her acting like this, and, and you know what people will begin to say if they see her following. She's like a crazy woman. She just won't quit. We then see something more about her faith. See, Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not only does she have faith without shame, but her faith was without fear. See, she was not afraid of Jesus. She was not afraid of the disciples. In fact, she threw herself down at the mercy of Jesus at his feet in total worship and with nothing to lose. She showed a relentless dependence on Jesus. So without shame and without fear, she fell at his feet and asked again, Lord, can you help me? Help me. 
is this the kind of devotion that we have? Or are we afraid to pray or ask for something because it's too hard or because God might say no or because we just can't deal with the silence? See, this woman didn't let Jesus' lack of response stop her. As one person wrote, little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Again, God finds pleasure when your faith persists in spite of pressure. And so the faith that God favors is desperate. It's determined. And finally, the faith that God favors is a faith that's distinguished by God's approval. Let's go back to the, the text. Verses 6, 26 through 28, Jesus responded, It isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. I, I still remember the first time I read that going, Oh my gosh, those are like fighting words. What is Jesus saying? I, what is, I, you know, verse 27, she replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Verse 28, dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted your daughter, her daughter was instantly healed. On top of a faith without shame or fear, she showed a faith without stopping, a faith that wouldn't quit. As she bowed down to worship at the feet of Jesus, he told her something very strange. Again, he said, it's not fair to take the children's fruit, food and throw it to the dogs. Now everyone there knew what Jesus meant. The disciples and the woman knew. He was in effect saying, it isn't good to take the blessings meant for the people of God, Israel, and throw it to the Gentiles or give it to the Gentiles. See, I've always, uh, I've always read this thinking that it kind of sounds pretty mean of Jesus. But this was part of the test. And the woman in that moment, she said, Jesus, Master, as always, you're right. But even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall underneath the master's table. In other words, on her, on her face and worship at the feet of Jesus, the woman said, Lord, I know that your blessings are for Israel, but you haven't forgotten the world. You haven't forgotten me. I know that your blessings are for your people, but I am one of your people too. I'll gladly take the leftovers and be very satisfied. At this final response from the woman whose faith just wouldn't quit, I can almost picture it. I can almost see the scene in my mind. Jesus' face, his serious face, must have broken out into a smile. He, at that point, and when he saw her faith, he reached down and he grabs her by the hands. He helped her onto her feet. He looked into her eye and said, Great is your faith, woman. Your daughter is healed. See, the Lord was testing her faith and she passed the test well. Now, listen, this is, this is where the story ends. We don't know what the disciples were thinking. Did Jesus remind them what he previously taught in chapter 7 of Matthew, where he wrote, Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. But right here from a person they never would have expected, the disciples saw this kind of faith actually being lived out. They got a living faith lesson on asking and seeking 
and knocking. They saw a great faith embodied, a faith that didn't quit the asking, a faith that wasn't ashamed to seek diligently after Jesus, a faith that wasn't afraid to keep knocking even in the face of no response. Do you and I have a faith that doesn't quit? Or do we have a faith that gives up when we don't get the response as quickly as we would like it to come? See, the disciples left that place after having seen faith that wouldn't quit, a faith they, they imitated later as they spread the gospel throughout all the world in the face of persecution. Church tradition tells us that almost nearly every disciple died a martyr's death for their faith in Jesus Christ. Could it be that the great faith they carried until the death was learned from a Gentile Canaanite woman? Maybe. My prayer is that God would allow that kind of faith to develop in our hearts today. Worship team, come. A faith so great that it won't give up easily in the face of uncertainty. A faith so great that it seeks Jesus Christ relentlessly. A faith so great that it believes God's blessings are too big for one nation. A faith so great that it never quits May God give us the faith of a Gentile Canaanite woman who had nowhere else to turn except to worship at the feet of Jesus. Get the lights, please. See, Bethany Hamilton has become a source of inspiration to millions through her story of faith, determination, and hope. Born into a family of surfers on February 8, 1990 on the island of Kauai, Hawaii, but Bethany began surfing at a very young age. At the age of eight, Bethany entered her first surf competition where she won both the short and longboard divisions. This sparked a love for surf competition within her spirit. At the age of 13, almost 20 years ago now, Bethany was attacked by a 14-foot tiger shark while surfing off of Kauai's North Shore. The attack left Bethany with a severed left arm. After losing over 60% of her blood, and making it through several surgeries without infection, Bethany was on her way to recovery with an unbelievable faith and positive attitude. Lifeguards and, and doctors believed that her strong faith in God helped to get her through that trauma and miraculously, just one month after the tiger shark attack, Bethany returned to the water to continue pursuing her goal to become a professional surfer. In 2004, she made her return to surf competition, placing fifth in a contest. With no intent of stopping, Bethany continued to enter and excel in every competition. Just over a year after the attack, she took first place in a competition, in a national competition, winning her first national title. And in 2007, Bethany realized her dream when she became a professional surfer. Today, she's a mother, a wife, an author, a role model to people all over the place with disabilities. And my question to you this morning, are you having a hard time trusting God in the midst of your difficulties? Are you just disappointed when God seems to be silent or slow in responding to your prayers? Is your faith under pressure? And do you sometimes feel like giving up? But are you desperate for God's help? See, when God calls us to have a faith 
that won't give up, a faith that does not quit. He favors a faith that's desperate, determined, and distinguished by his approval. This morning, I'd love to pray with you. Would you stand with me? As I was thinking about this message this morning, I know that we're all in different places. The, whenever we talk about the, the, the subject of faith, uh, there are different uh, thoughts, some extremes, some where it feels like, oh, that's old, that's just, you know, basic. Everybody has faith. No. Some people are weak in their faith. And some people have been known to lose their faith and walk away. The streets of Rochester, New Hampshire are full of people who have lost faith. If you look at the corners, if you look at the outcasts, if you look at those that are broken all around you, listen, we're blessed this morning. We're blessed, so many of us, we have so many different things. And, and you know, if we look at just those blessings, we're blessed. There are others who have lost faith. And maybe you have faith this morning, faith enough for you and faith enough to help someone through. And so this message is really for everyone that God wants to build your faith. He wants to grow it. He wants to stretch it. For others, he wants it to return. You've been losing faith, thinking that God gave up on you. Your plan A didn't work. Your plan B stunk. Your plan B and C is not working. Everything is not working. But have you tried Jesus? And if you have, have you quit? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you this morning. I, I thank you for the sweet spirit of God that I feel in this place. I, I really believe that you're talking to some families, some individuals. And Lord, I don't know what their situation is. I don't know what the trial is that they're going through right now. But I do know that you are the answer. See, you are the answer to all of life's problems. You are the answer to our struggles. You are the answer to our crisis of faith. You are the answer to when we're feeling weak. You are the answer to when we're feeling discouraged. You are the answer to when we're feeling defeated. You are the answer. You are the answer. God, help us to practice a faith that God favors. Lord, help us to trust you this morning. Whatever you got, we want it. We want it. We need you. Anybody else need Jesus today? Anybody else need Jesus? Hallelujah. God, we need you. Touch your people. Help us today and every day. In Jesus' name, let's close in worship.